This morning, on the 4th of July, we are moving away from the Acts series, and we'll have this occasional sermon. The scripture reading is 1 Peter chapter 2. The bulletin indicates verses 9 through 12, but I am going to read only verse 9 for our focus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, our King. We pray in his name for the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon us afresh and anew. Give us ears to hear. Open our hearts. Move in our souls. Help us. We pray for the honor of your name. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. These are the words of God addressed to his people. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And now to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. As Christian citizens of the United States of America, I am sure that we are celebrating this Independence Day 2021 with some mixed thoughts and emotions regarding our nation. Love, loyalty, deep gratitude, hope, disappointment, grave concern, fear, perhaps even anger. So let's begin and end with this conviction and commitment as Christians. This is an opportune moment in history for the church of Jesus Christ within the United States of America to shine the light of the gospel in a culture of darkness. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is America's only hope. The title of this sermon on the 4th of July is, if you noticed, A Holy Nation. That does not refer to the United States of America. It refers to the worldwide church of Jesus Christ comprised of believers of every tongue and tribe and nation, believers of every ethnicity purchased with the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says that the church of Jesus Christ is a chosen race, could be translated chosen generation or chosen people, God's elect. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for God's own possession. Now that verse, 1 Peter 2, 9, is a direct quote of Exodus 19, 6. The Lord's words about the people of old covenant Israel. But the Apostle Peter quotes that verse from Exodus, originally about Old Covenant Israel, think about the Acts series, originally about Old Covenant Israel and applies it to the church of Jesus Christ, the New Covenant Israel. That is who we are as a congregation of believers in Christ here in northeast Louisiana, a small representation of the one worldwide church of Jesus Christ. And God, in his providence, has placed us here so that we might bring the blessings of the gospel to America from sea to shining sea. This is an opportune moment in history for us to shine the light of the gospel into a culture of darkness. But that will require some real repentance. Real repentance means literally changing your mind. Changing your mind about how you're living your life, the choices you're making every day and why you're making them every day in practical reality where the rubber hits the road. Real repentance is a matter of changing your mind, which results in a change of behavior, which results in a change of direction in your life in accordance with God's words in Scripture. Now, Here's a non-religious, non-religious illustration. You're driving in an unfamiliar locale. You realize, oh, you've ended up in the wrong place. Somewhere along the way, you made a wrong turn. Now, in the old days, before GPS, if you were acting rationally, you would stop and get out the old Rand McNally Road Atlas and uh, figure out where you went wrong, retrace your steps, and go back and get on the right road and go in the right direction. That's real repentance. And I guess we could say that, you know, today when Siri redirects us, if we do what she says in her redirection, that's real repentance. So when we as Christians today ask this question, about the United States of America, how did we end up here? We need to identify the wrong turns in order to make the right turns going forward. From a biblical Christian perspective, we ended up here because, in general, the America ended up here because in general, for the last 60 years, the church of Jesus Christ in America has not lived very faithfully as God's chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for God's own possession, a people distinct from the world 
a people set apart from the world in order to bring the blessings of the gospel to the world. And in particular to the United States of America. We've not done a very good job of proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Rather, the church in America, generally, generally speaking, over the last 60 years, has capitulated to the secular culture and has become increasingly conformed to this world. And here we are. It's time to get the map out and see where we've made the wrong turn so that we can turn around and get going in the right direction. The Marxism that has now come to the surface of American society in the form of critical theory is nothing new. It has been under the surface for a long, long time, like termites, slowly but surely and steadily and stealthily gnawing away at the institutions of education, entertainment, the media, and yes, and yes, the institutional church, especially what used to be called mainline Protestantism, the national Presbyterian denominations, the national Episcopal Church, the United Methodist Church, the national United Congregational Church, very, very, very significant institutions of American culture in which many of us were raised. In our Sunday school class last Sunday, we learned about the influence of so-called higher criticism in biblical studies, which came to the fore way back in the early 19th and then early 20th centuries. And the upshot of that movement was basically in academic circles a denial of the divine inspiration and authority of Scripture. And by 1960... That was the dominant view in mainline Protestant seminaries. And that had an increasingly ill effects in its trickle-down influence in local congregations everywhere. And by the mid-60s, mainline Protestant denominations as institutions had basically abandoned the historic, biblical, Christian faith, and were quietly but subversively denying its essential truths. Doctrine was discounted. The catechism was discarded. Evangelism was redefined as social humanitarianism. And mainline churches were trying to figure out how to be relevant in a liberated, secular world now that the historic, biblical, Christian faith was a worn-out relic 
of history. Most of you are old enough to remember those days when our parents took us to the church of what's happening now. And then, and then, in that context of mainline Protestantism, which wasn't sure what it believed, the tidal wave of the Cultural Revolution of the later 60s hit. Drugs, sex, and rock and roll. And the greatest generation, and they were great, the greatest generation who had overcome the Great Depression and had saved the world from Nazi Germany, Imperial Japan, and Communist Russia. The greatest generation had no way to deal with this enemy in their own nice, church-going families. Remember that? Remember that? And the consequences were devastating. upon those baby boomers who came of age during that time. And most of you, a lot of you, know exactly what I'm talking about. And those devastating consequences have had devastating consequences on the next generation as well. And you know what I'm talking about. You take the normalization of promiscuity, add the legalization of abortion, and the, the widespread and supported acceptance of no-fault divorce, and what do you end up with? Well, you end up with the destruction of the nuclear family, which is by the way, one of the primary major goals, strategic goals of Marxism. Because if you want to destroy the church, destroying the nuclear family is a really good way to do it. And so was unleashed upon American society the power and the influence and the dominating control of the unholy trinity. Infiltrating, impacting every aspect of American society. The unholy trinity. Charles Darwin, Karl Marx, and Sigmund Freud.
everywhere, everywhere in American society. The point is, where was the mainline Protestant church? Right there. For almost the last 60 years, aiding and abetting the enemy, either by its own radical activism or its careless apathy. And we can see the ripple effect down to today. The millennials, particularly the younger millennials, now aged 25 to 35, raised and educated in an aggressively secular environment, even those who grew up going to church are increasingly secular. As someone has said, if you let Caesar educate, nurture, mentor, and recruit your children, don't be surprised if they turn out to be pagans of Rome. The point is... Well, one more thought. We made a wrong turn also. There, there were those... There were those who were... who did regard, professed to affirmed that the Bible is, was the Word of God at that time in the 60s, early 70s, and who were concerned about doctrine, and yet were not concerned at all about addressing and redressing the sins of what was then systemic racism and addressing racial reconciliation. And we live with those consequences today. And in that case, again, with those who professed to believe the Bible and the gospel, who had no concern about that contradiction. But the point is today, we must not make the wrong turn again. So today, parents and, and grandparents, but as I address parents and grandparents, I want us all as a church family to be together in this, and to hear it as a church family, you have to be aware of what's going on in the culture today. Don't be asleep of what's being taught in the schools, of what your children and youth are listening to and watching on their phones if they've got them, and what they're following on social media if they are. You've got to be on it. You can't give your children over to the secular world and just assume that everything's going to be okay. Don't do what previous generations did. Don't give your children over to the secular world and just assume that everything's going to be okay right here in good old fun row. Because... It's not. Most of all, parents, you have to evangelize your children and train and nurture your children to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We're all in this together as a church family, but first of all, it's got to happen at home. If it doesn't happen at home, it isn't going to happen. Show them Jesus. Bring them to Jesus explicitly, consistently, intentionally, practically, counterculturally. This is not about raising your children to be nice, normal people. 
It's about raising your children to know, love, worship, serve, obey, and die for Jesus Christ. They must be hearing and reading and memorizing the Bible every day in the context of a loving, secure, encouraging family. And you must be leading them in that every day and discuss with them every day everything that's going on in their lives from a biblical Christian perspective. That's what I mean by real repentance. Teach them to love the church, God's people, their church family. By the way, you love the church, your church family. Teach them to love to worship by the way you love to worship. Teach them to rejoice and be glad on the Lord's Day by the way that you rejoice and are glad on the Lord's Day. Show them that you are glad to go to the house of the Lord every Sunday. And that there's no other place you'd rather be and nothing you'd rather be doing Because there's no greater blessing and nothing better on earth than to be in the presence of God with His people, singing His praises and feasting on His Word. Teach your children to depend upon the Lord by showing them how much you depend upon Him every day. Teach them to obey the Lord by showing them how you obey the Lord. That's what I mean by real repentance, a change of mind, which brings a change in behavior, which brings a change of direction in your life and your children's lives and the life of this congregation in accordance with the words of God in Scripture. Now, encouragement. Parents, grandparents, if you need educational resources to use at home or guidelines helps for family devotions, family worship, or reading lists of age-appropriate good Christian literature for your children, please ask. Good, helpful resources are available. If you need help in learning how to pray with and for your children, please ask. If you're interested in homeschooling but feel intimidated by that, There are members of this congregation who can help and encourage you. Or if you'd like to send your children to a specifically, explicitly, intentionally, comprehensively Christian school in which they would be educated from a Reformed Christian worldview in every subject, but don't think that you can afford it. Thanks to the generosity of this congregation and the leadership of the session, there may very well be scholarship assistance available for you. Please feel free to inquire. Don't let Darwin, Marx, and Freud educate your children and don't let Caesar recruit them. The point of all this on the 4th of July 2021 is that the only hope for America is the reformation and renewal and revival 
of the true church of Jesus Christ now and in the generation to come. And that starts with us in our own homes, with our own children, and in the corporate life of the congregation, and of course beyond in our places of work and in all of our social contexts and relationships within all our circles of activity and influence. This is an important opportune time to shine the light of Christ in a culture of darkness. That's what we're here for as God's chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people of his own possession, set apart, distinct from the world, in order to bring the blessings of the gospel to the world. But it's going to require real repentance and new commitments and firm conviction that the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to every crisis our nation is facing. God's word is truth. And God's power is sufficient, whether it's family disintegration, sexual and gender confusion, economic disparity, racial division. Only the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ can bring healing, righteousness, reconciliation, and peace. Or shall we say, only through allegiance to King Jesus and obedience to his commands will we truly enjoy the blessings of life, liberty, and real happiness. Today our nation is celebrating its political freedom. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for all of the sacrifices that have secured our national liberties. But the human heart is still enslaved to sin. And contrary to what our culture says, true freedom is not the right to do whatever we please. True freedom is the desire and the ability to do what pleases God. True freedom is not a matter of my doing whatever I want to do. True freedom is doing what God wants me to do. And that freedom comes only through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and your life and in the lives of our fellow Americans who desperately need to be set free from the slavery to sin and tyranny of the devil. So let us repent with real repentance change of mind, which brings change in behavior, which brings a change in direction of our lives, and be who God says we are in Christ, God's chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, the people of God's own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so that we, the church of Jesus Christ, might bring the blessing of the gospel to this nation from sea to shining sea and to all the nations of the earth. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and faithfulness the truth of your word and the power of the gospel. And we pray that 
you would help us to believe your word and do what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand and pledge our allegiance as we affirm the faith of the one worldwide church of Jesus Christ throughout history and throughout the world. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.